Welcome to another inspirational message from Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm totally aware, somewhat, as a pastor, you want everyone who's part of this church here for Sunday service. You just want them here. One, you want everybody to be here the same thing. Two, you want to see them exercise their faith in helping others. And three, I just like you. I want to be around you. That's why the last Sunday after service when we had the baby shower, I got to go, I talked to everyone there. And the key for me on that one was little Maddie, she turned five. And they're having a big party for the Felders, and here it's her five-year-old birthday. I got to sit next to her and mess with her. And I, I, I counted the beads in her hair because it's braided. And she goes, and I go, they match the colors in your stockings, her pants. She goes, I know, the beads are new. <laughs> Just a little conversation with the five-year-old to try to make her feel on her birthday she's special. We have people today, like Barb Davidson's in the back. She wasn't here with us last Sunday. She decided to skip church and go out of town and watch her grandkids for the Saturday night banquet that honored her son and daughter-in-law for their community service. Particularly her son grew up here. Serving was put into him through the fellowship of we with precious faith. We pray for Merritt Weiss right now. He is a, uh, a diamond in the Amway business, quite way up the chain, and they had their big mid-winter thing on Friday and Saturday night at the Mid-America Center, but because he rents it for the weekend, he has Sunday morning, and he invites all those who come. They hold a service on Sunday morning, and we've prayed for him every year because his gift as part of an elder in this church is an evangelist. He gathers he preaches the God. I mean, that's just what he does. And right now, for the kingdom of God, I just pray that the right words come out of Merritt's mouth to bring faith and love to people who are there. They came for business, but let them come and leave knowing Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for them. That's another part of who we are and what we do. Now we have others that are home because of... Uh, some COVID, some not so COVID, but some sick. And then we have a lot of people. I mean, we got people in Iowa and Arizona watching us. Good morning. Glad to have you. But if you ever can come here, we want to hug your neck and say hi. For those who are home because they're not feeling well or for precautionary things, we simply say the word, we send the word to heal them for what, that's what Jesus did. And by his stripes, we declare healing in your household. COVID, flu, doesn't matter. Healing abound in your household. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, it says you'll stir or strengthen our mortal bodies. So I, I'm counting on you to have quick recovery with strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. We miss those, don't you? Now, uh, I said I'm going to teach this month on uh, what Mercedes started at the last service of the year and that is crazy faith. But I said, I'm not going to preach it. 
I'm going to pastor it. A pastor's approach is different than an orator who can teach or preach the word. And there is a difference between teaching and preaching. You can see it on TV. Some of them are preachers. Some of them are teachers. Okay? But as a pastor, my heart and my goal is that every person in here, that I'm going one-on-one -on -one with you to get into you what God's word has to say. Because I'm counting on you to do what the kingdom's supposed to do in you. Therefore, it'll do it in others. Bill, can you go back there and turn off all the lights? Just turn them all off. If you've got your cell phone, you, you're very welcome to turn on your own light. But I just want to show you. And there they go. He isn't sure which ones are which. You normally have Mike do it. Can you all see the darkness coming? You have waiters, waitresses, people at Casey's. You have people in the area that you live and go to daily that are in the dark. And you're the light that's going to go to them. They're really in the dark. They think they know. They think everything's okay. And they are scared of what's going on. They are scared of... Just listen to what they call the news, which is nothing more than commentary and gossip. Very little journalism is done. And it's all to put people in fear. There was a great thing on Facebook this week of when you leave the news on your TV when you leave and you come back home, they, your dog has a gown on him and a mask. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> you left him for a couple hours and the dog is afraid. Okay, Bill, you can hit the lights back on. But I wanted to get to you the importance, and thank you again, Hope, for the light. Because we turn the lights on, but the lights above me don't give me the light now. Oh, gosh, there are words there. That's great. Okay. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And for all those who, let's say, the ones in Iowa and Arizona and everybody else, thank you for being part of this with us. And we hope that this word touches your heart every bit as much as those who are here. Amen? 2 Thessalonians 1.3 We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. Isn't that great to be able to say about your friends and your church members? I thank God for you. When I think about you, I think, and I'm thankful Jody Barnes's dad nearly died. And they're going to release him in a, this coming week. Total turnaround! And we stopped and prayed for him. He's in Ohio. It doesn't matter. Faith matters. Okay? So here we go. We're bound to give thanks always, as is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you towards all there aboundeth. Now, two things. Charity, which is love, abounds. Now, there's a little thing, and there's a big thing. I've got uh, two dogs at home. And they don't know what it is to come up and just greet you lightly. I was sleeping in my chair in my family room. And I started to wake up because I had two dogs on my chest. Both faces right here. 
want to be petted, want to be like, that's abounding. That's not just a little demonstration. That's a bunch. And we're supposed to abound with one another, get to know them. If you don't know their name, ask them. And if you forget it, ask them again. As long as you are sincere and sweet about it, no one's offended. I mean, how long did it take me to get Melvin's name? We're still hoping I catch on. After a decade. <laughs> My point is, love abounds. But here's what I want to talk to you today, and that is that your faith groweth exceedingly. When you gave your life to Jesus, you came to faith for him. In other words, thank you, Lord. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you cannot see. I was 19 when I came to meet the man. It's what he made, he tailor-made for Jim McGaffin to accept him. And I did. At 19, having a, an extreme Catholic background, I know nothing about the Word of God. I don't know what's going on. I just know how to serve him so he doesn't kill me. That's serving God because of works. I'll do this so that he doesn't beat my head in with a baseball bat over here. I'll quit doing this or give this up so that it doesn't get taken away from me. How many know works? Sort of a trade-off. So, I, as a Catholic so turned on to Jesus, I entered the seminary to be a priest. And that didn't work. I was halfway through my first year when the Lord spoke to me in a class in the morning and said, you know this is not for you. And at lunch I told my directors, I'm gone. I came back to Omaha. I didn't fit in the fraternity anymore and all that they were into. And I didn't know what to do. I found some prayer groups that I could go to. And one of them particularly was good at St. John's. And I worked for Boys Town. And all of a sudden my schedule changed to where I could go to, at that time, the largest charismatic prayer group in Omaha was at Duchenne High School down on your, uh, gosh, what used to be Creighton uh, Hospital, down on Cummings. And it was there that I met Deborah, like in West Side Story, Tony and Maria, at far side. And a few weeks later, we went on our first date on a Sunday. The next Sunday, we were engaged to be married. Why? Because the same God that saved us and filled us with the Holy Spirit told us that's bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh, that's your mate. That's exactly what he said to me. And that was on Wednesday night. I'm scared. I was not planning on getting married. I was dating two other girls at the time besides Deborah. <laughs> I, that did not work into my schedule. You know, I had to rearrange my priorities to ask a girl to marry me. And to my amazement, she said yes. My parents hit the ceiling, her parents hit the ceiling, besides a gun in my face. It wasn't well received. But you know, what she did is she opened my heart and my eyes to the full gospel businessman convention at the end of July. We went out on July 13th, we got engaged on July 20th. Two weeks later, we're at the full gospel convention. And I heard Mark 11, 23 and 24, this is how you use the faith of God, preached. I've never heard anything like that. So my faith began to grow from salvation to the entrance of his word bringing light into my heart and my life 
the next night, my right knee got healed. I had stitch, my, my knee was so ripped up at senior in high school. Totally healed. Next night, same guy preaching on Mark 11, 23 and 24. The next night, Fred Price teaching on healing. I watched people walk out of wheelchairs. I watched stuff that I've never seen. But the word and what I witnessed agreed. And it fed me. I'm not very churchy. If you haven't figured that out, I'm just not very churchy. Because being churchy and religious isn't going to get me where I need to go in Jesus. I want a relationship with Jesus that works every day. That touches people when they're hurting. That they're comforted. When they're sick, they get healed. I want what is promised in here. 3,000 promises to the New Testament believer. I want to see them come to pass. Not in heaven when it's over. I want them now. Jesus didn't wait for doing miracles till he got to heaven. He did them now. So, uh, how are we doing? In Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew 11, 10, 1, 11, 1, Jesus commissions his disciples to go out and do work. Now, you're talking fishermen. I don't know what Judas was before, but he's part of this. Matthew, a crooked tax collector. They've only been with Jesus less than three months. And he's sending them out. They can't even remember or believe half the stuff he taught. But they went out. And you know what he said? He gave him power over, let's see, to heal and to deliver, over power over serpents, and nothing by any means will hurt you. He sent them out. First he sent his disciples out. And they came back saying, even the demons are subject. I mean, when was the last time you saw a fisherman cast out devils out of people? I mean, it's a new arena. It was a new arena for Deborah and I to pray for people and watch them get healed. The first person I prayed for that got set free of demons scared the crap out of me. What they manifested was scary. But I held on to the name and the power of Jesus to overcome it. And that's what you do. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19... It says he ordained or authorized 70 followers, not just the 12, another 70 to go out and heal the sick and cast out devils. And that 70 hadn't been with them very long. And they went out and they returned and said, even the devils are subject. Even. Now that's why today when you leave here, and I'm going to push the entire year so that we get our second and third services in by the end of the year. They're, these seats are not going to be filled because I'm a great preacher. They're going to be filled because you're doing the word. And the Jesus in you is touching lives. And they see the difference and they go, what is different with her, with him? What's different? And again, you don't have to be a preacher. I'm not doing my these and thous and verilies very well today. I am communicating like a friend and a father and a mature Christian to people that I want to make sure are equipped to do their job. Your faith is supposed to grow exceedingly. Not an inch, not barely. I just got, it's supposed to be out there. And we're going to talk today a little bit about the hindrances of 
your faith getting out there that you will have to overcome. How many know Jesus said the thief comes but to rob, kill, and destroy? He also said in his uh, keynote message on the sower sows the word, the sower sows the word, but the enemy comes immediately to take away the word that was sown. So as you hear word in the next 48 hours, you're going to have something go on in your life to try to talk you out of what you're hearing today. So you still love Jesus, but you're not exceeding. You're comfortable where you're at. And I've offended Lucas already. That's great, Lucas. Nobody's going to stop with, I'm just teasing you. My point is that is let's be real and let's talk real and get it done. Tony, you're not going to succeed without your faith exceeding. It is further than it was down on 48th Street, but it's where it's at now. What's it, what are you going to need in your faith for the next three years? The change. Your faith exceedingly has to grow with Victory Writing Academy to help children. Otherwise, you can just go back to 48th Street and do the little thing. But God gave you something to do the big thing. And we can put 170 people in this room comfortably. That's 510 people on Sunday to hear the word. What are you going to do when you're filled? We will buy another building and plant a sister thing. and we'll, I don't care if we have 40 of them. But it comes because we preach the word and the word preaches to share the good news. And you can be 13 years old and do miracles. You can be 85 years old and do miracles. Are we doing good? Okay. Uh, here's a statement. This month and for this year, as much as I can preach, and I'll be redundant because I know you heard it, but you're going to hear it again. They used to say to Kenneth Hagin, preaching Mark 11, 23 and 24, why don't you preach something else? When you get it, I'll move on. Okay? I'm preaching faith to equip to move on. Learn to release what he's already given you. Learn to release what he's already given you. You got hands? You're a believer? Or are you a doubter? Believer or doubter? What do we got? Okay, then you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now see, being the Catholic, we never prayed for anybody like that. Then they had the prayer lines, they had the ushers, and they had a lady on the piano or the organ and playing, and it was all orchestrated. Jesus didn't have an organ. He was out in the field. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't churchy. But he healed the multitudes. And you know what? The first time you lay hands on someone and they get healed, the first time you pray, and it was between you and God, and he heard it, and he delivered it into your hands. Deborah and I didn't have any money. We didn't have any food. We were fasting on our fourth day on a Saturday because you fast when you don't have food. You might as well have some spiritual growth. <laughs> we got no food. Okay? And we finally, in the little hallway of the little house, said, enough of this. We want to go out to dinner. We want to go to the wine cellar downtown where they have all the fondues. Because we really liked that the one time. We want to go back. So we said, Father, we want to go to the wine cellar. We want fondue. Thank you for hearing it. Less than an hour and a half after that, Scott Jackman, a friend of ours, called. 
And Scott and John Nicely were close friends of ours at that time. And Scott said, hey, I've told my mom about you and Deborah, and, and she wants to meet you. We've got reservations at 6.30 at the wine cellar for fondue. It's our treat. The same day, the place we wanted to go, and the only one that heard that was my Heavenly Father. And you can't let go of that. You supernaturally communicated with your Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, Lord, I'll say that. Um, the first Wednesday of March, I start a Bible study here at the church. We don't have music. We're not having children's stuff right now. It's a Bible study. The scripture says, make disciples of all men. Okay? Not just preach your guts out and, and entertain. It said, make disciples. Discipline ones who can carry it on. So the name of the first series, because it won't be a one-nighter, is Life in the Spirit. What the Holy Spirit did to you when you got born again, when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, a Spirit-led, powerful life. I'm going to start, and I don't know when I'm going to finish, but every Wednesday from 6.30 to 7.30, I will have a Bible study. Bring everyone, come, you're going to get fed, and afterwards we'll pray for any situation in your life you want prayer for. Simple. Amen? Learn to release what he's already given you. Got it? Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. And we'll start in about, oh, verse 14. And when they are come to the multitude, that's a thousand plus people, okay, 170 in here, a thousand people crowd, and it's not organized, it's not churchy pretty, they don't have special lights or smoke machines, it's out there because they're not at the synagogue, okay? There came to a man kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He is a lunatic, sore vexed. Oftentimes he falleth into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is after he commissioned them to go do it, and they came back and said, we can cast out devils, and we can heal the sick. This boy, they couldn't. Jesus answered and said, O faithless or perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, what was the difference with this boy? Did he reach to a new level of devil that was more powerful? Jesus gave his authority, the same authority he was working with, to them. He didn't run into a new, more powerful superhero bad guy. But this boy is a lunatic. In the literal terms, he's demon-possessed. He's out of his mind. And they couldn't control him. I'm going to tell you, out of the times I've dealt with demons, and the, some of them have put on a show to scare me. 
and you, and I think I told you last week, I tackled a lady who was a breeder for a cult. She'd have a baby, they sacrificed it to Satan. It was brought, she was brought to me on a Sunday late afternoon, and when that thing saw me and I saw it, she went crazy on me and hit me, and she'd beaten the snot out of me at the moment. So I grabbed the lady and I slammed her to the floor in the foyer of 60th Street Church, and I'm laying on top of her praying in tongues, Lord, what do I do now? Because she still hurt me. And we had the Spanish church, and the Spanish people were going to, the ladies were going to the restroom, coming back, and they see me tackling this lady in the hallway. They go down to their uh, service, and all of a sudden, about 10 or 15 of them came back, and they're praying in the Spirit in Spanish, which I don't know how to, yeah. that's what happened on this, uh, Acts chapter 2 when they were up in the upper room. They heard it in their own tongue. I don't know what tongue sounds like in Spanish till that moment. <laughs> I know what it means to me, but I learned it there. And that lady got set free. She threw a fit. Okay? I got punched out by a very strong woman on a Sunday evening service, and my ushers disappeared. <laughs> Obviously, they were counting the offering or busy doing something, but the three that were in the sanctuary were nowhere to be found. She hit me again, hard. Her brother is Jerry Murtaugh, All-American linebacker at Nebraska. The girl knows how to fight. She took a third swing and I blocked it and put my arm on her and drove her shoulder into the ground. You weren't very nice. It was just a lady. She was beating the crap out of me. I subdued her. She got set free. And when I left the property that night, I cried and cried and cried. Why would you cry? Such a victim. No, no. I put everything I knew to be in Jesus on the line. If she doesn't get free, then nobody should ever hear a thing I say again. It was all or nothing to me right then. And God's word came true. And I left bawling my brains out because God's word again, just like the dinner, you took care of your word and it worked in my life and bore fruit. Are you all good with me? Okay, then Jesus rebuked the devil and they left. Then they came the disciples to Jesus and asked, why couldn't we cast them out? We've had success all the other time. What happened with this one? And Jesus called them faithless for one. That's really a great compliment. He said, because of your unbelief, because I'm going to tell you the truth, I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed and you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible to you. There's that picture of your faith growing exceedingly. If you are a parent, you better learn how to use your faith for your children at all stages of their life. From the little infant to they're married, Mercedes is having her first child, we're so excited. Don't, don't you think for a moment, that that girl is not spoken of over the word every day, multiple times by her mother and me. That is our role. That is our part. So, he, he said that nothing would be impossible. Howbeit, this kind goes out by prayer and fasting. Now, this is a religious commentary from me on that comment. I have met Christians in my walk with Jesus that if they just fasted more, 
if they just prayed more, then they could do more on the anointing. I'd get more anointing, a greater anointing. Anybody ever even gotten close to hearing stuff like that? If I just pray more. Well, before I go to work for this ministry, I have to pray for a thousand hours in the spirit. That was a thousand hours to please the guy in the ministry. Did, did it please God? I don't know. But it's not works. What he's actually saying here by prayer and fasting. How many times do you read where Jesus got off by himself and prayed and fasted? When you pray and fast, it's not to starve yourself and drop weight. And it's not to say the same prayer repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. It's supposed to spend time with my Savior. I'm disciplining my body for a period of time so that my body and my soul line up with the Spirit that I can grow closer and more understanding how this anointing works. By the way, if Jesus gave you his anointing, you don't need a second. You don't need to be refilled. You don't leak. You doubt and unbelieve. And that's what he sends our way to get us not to get out of the boat and walk on the water. And again, the statement, I would rather be a wet water walker getting out of the boat than a dry boat talker any day. Are you still loving me? Okay, because that's a boy with a demon. Let's look at faith versus unbelief. Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to preach to you Mark 11, 23 and 24. This is how you use the faith of God. You believe in your heart. Believe in your heart. And you say with your mouth. He says you say what you believe you say, what you believe you say, to get a believer often to say what they believe rather than being scared to say it is quite a challenge. Well, someone will make fun of me. They make fun of you anyhow. People take shots at behind your back anyhow. Okay? I had seven operations in six months. Could have died three times. My hair is growing back. You can see it. Okay? I'm preaching in church. I got ministers from around the nation calling me and saying, Jim, you sound so good, so positive. What did you expect? Because God's word's still at work in my life. My assignment is not done. I got work to do. And first of all, besides loving him, it gives me an opportunity daily to show how much I love her. Now she's stuck, willingly, gladly, and lovingly, <laughs> taking care of me in so many ways. But I am getting stronger and better, and she's having to do less for me every day. But my thank you, honey, button has not worn out. My faith over her, her health, her life is as strong now as when I asked her to marry me. It's that my faith has grown exceedingly. Then I go for my kids, all of them, their spouses, and my grandboys. Now I have six, one still in the oven, but I have six grandboys. But Xavier, 13, Christmas time, commercial. He's just turning from being a little boy to a young man. They had ladies, feminine products type things. 
on an advertisement, and he's like, then they had an underwear commercial for men that specializes in a thing they call the pouch. And little Xavier goes, the pouch? And I realized this is not 10 years old anymore. We were there in California babysitting the kids when Mark was in Israel, and they, he brought home the paper at 12 years old that, so they can see the film on puberty. And both the boys want to know what puberty is. And I say, nothing to be afraid of, it's fine. We'll wait for your dad, he'll be back in four days. We'll let your dad tell you what puberty is. <laughs> Our oldest son was with us and he wouldn't leave it alone. And he told the boys, well, boys, that's when your voice changes and you start to grow hair everywhere. Both the boys look at their crotch. My son is laughing his brains out at him. Why do you do that? I've got generation, I have a legacy. I have family. Whether they serve Jesus at this moment or not, they're mine. And they were dedicated in the womb to the Lord Jesus. And I'm not going to let go of it. No matter what I go through, I won't let go of that. Then I'm the pastor and founding pastor of this church. And we haven't finished what God told us to do. Why don't you just retire and move away, go down to Arizona? That's not what I'm called to do. You're called to help me do the mission of this church, and that is to reach the lost. Used to put up in the other building, reach the lost at any cost. Stick your neck out a little bit. You don't have to talk like me, act like me. Dear God, I hope not. I'm glad there's one of me and one of you. We don't need 20 Tony Barnes. We need Tony, full power, his faith growing exceedingly, accomplishing what God birthed in his heart to do. Period. It says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can't see my healing. I can't see my finances. Your faith is the substance, the establishing witness of what you have prayed for. Until it is in your hand, your faith is what's going on. You lay in the bed. You be doped up. You be in pain that's hard to take, and you sit there and confess the word over you and see it change. Have the doctors can't control the pain one Sunday. Deborah and a few prayed, instantly healed, in front of the nurses who saw me screaming, and the doctors could do nothing about it. They came, and they, before their shift was over, they were helping me, doing the vitals and all that stuff. And I said, both of you saw a miracle today, and you're never going to be able to deny it. You saw they couldn't change it. They couldn't stop it. None of you. There were 13 in my room trying to help me. Yet my wife and a few people of faith prayed, and I'm instantly healed. You'll never forget it. You know that God did it. And he also did it to show you that he'll do things for you and loves you. I ain't going to shut up. Are you? My faith is the substance of the things I pray over. Okay, why couldn't those guys cast out the demons? Because the kid threw a fit and looked worse than anything else they had seen. He scared them. And there are things in life that are scary. When you lay in bed at night, it can scare you. Anybody been there? I've been there in the last year. <laughs> 
You're by yourself. You're by yourself. Yet, those things that try to scare you and shake you up are what you're supposed to shake off and throw in the fire. Because that's what Paul did with the snake bit him. He just shook it off. Shake it off. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 12.2 says, Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. I just want to point out, he is the author and the finisher. He authored your faith when you got born again. It's not finished till you go to heaven. Your faith it grows exceedingly and greater and greater to make a difference. When my grandson got run over by a car in Louisville and drugged 30 feet, they declared while he's being flown in a helicopter that he's dead. And I screamed out, no, he's not. They'd given James the stuff for children's funerals already. Little James was home in three days, two and a half, three days. No damage. I don't know what they saw in the vitals when they declared him dead. But he walked out of that hospital two and a half days later. Why? Because I said something. Had I said nothing, we would have had a funeral. Are you taking credit for it? No. I'm just the conduit. I don't take credit. All the glory goes to God. But he expects us to say something and do stuff. If you just sit in the back seat and do nothing, then his kingdom doesn't advance. Those people that are in this room, they're in darkness, will stay in darkness and go to hell. You can make an eternal difference. I'm preaching better than you're amening. Okay, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. If you've been here at all, you've heard it at nauseam. How many times do I say it? But it does not say Faith cometh by having heard. Amen. Yeah, I heard that a couple times. I got it. No, your faith is energized daily by what you hear with your ears and what you allow in your heart. For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. It's either going to speak doubt and unbelief, or it's going to be filled with faith and love. Either or. But it's going to come out your mouth. What you put in in abundance is what comes out. Simple. So if you, I heard that preaching about Mark 11, 20, yeah, pastor jumps on that, and if he says, get in the word, or what scripture are you standing on one more time, you know, I'm just so tired. No, you ought not get tired of hearing the word of God. You learn something new every day. I learn to love her better every day. It's a new day. Hebrews eleven six. When this is done, and I stand before my Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't want to hear, well, you're done. Yeah, you got born again, but you didn't do anything for the kingdom. Because I want to make him happy. My grandboys want to make Grandpa happy. The tennis shoes that I have on that zip on the side that are cool, that's a Christmas present that Mark went out specifically and hunted them down for me. He made me happy. In my daily walk, as a minister, pastor, shepherd, whatever you want to call it, but in my daily walk as a man, it says, without faith, 
it is impossible to please God. And I want to make him happy. I want to make him happy. I get to come to heaven and he's happy to have me there. Not, oh, I guess we've got to let him in. I want to make him happy. I want to please him. I want to go out of my way and please him. I couldn't go shopping, but I tried the best I could to get Deborah some Christmas presents from me. Because I want to make her happy. She's been through the ringer with me as much as I've been it. I want to make her happy. I want to make God happy. He's never deserted me. He's always been there. He's never left me or deserted me or forsaken me. I'm not forsaking him. Amen? Okay. Here's stuff, two of them. Romans 1.17 says the just are those who have been justified by faith in Jesus because it's not my good works, it's not what I can do that I become a Christian or will go to heaven. It's because I receive Jesus as my Savior, same as you and same as anyone you talk to today and this coming week. I want to hear, I want a service where I don't preach other than orchestrate you telling me the miracles and the people you got a chance to touch this week. Because he works through you and me. Oh, you're the pastor and he does more. No, he does not. I've known a lot of pastors that are not strong in the spirit. That it's a career, not a life. That went over good. The just shall live by faith. So I have to live by faith. I have to live by faith. I'm struggling to breathe. They put oxygen on me so I can live one night. I have to live by faith. Wake up with one of those things in there and you're having trouble breathing and see what goes through your mind real quick. Wake up after an operation and realize they cut it off. They didn't save it, they cut it off. See what goes through your mind and how you deal with it. God's word's there. I'm not a wimp. Are you? Come on. With the things that you believe and value the most, you'll stand up and fight for. So what do you believe in and value the most? Is it Jesus or is it your speedboat, your motorcycle? All your stuff on social media where you can spend four to five hours on social media, you will not spend five minutes with Jesus. But you'll look for him when you're hurting or you need a way out. But you don't look for him on a daily basis. The just live by faith. Here's the one that caused, this is the litmus test for us. Romans chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. And this is about faith. And it says, you will call things that be not as though they were. Is it up on the screen? Call those things that be not as though they were. Because of God's grace and goodness through faith on me, I'm excelling past all their markers of how far along I'm supposed to be. And I'm not stopping. I have a goal, which I'll declare. I'll walk through that door by myself without a wheelchair come Easter Sunday morning in nine weeks. I will walk through myself. They asked me to do something that I knew I could not 
do, I had never done at therapy. And I said, no, I don't. And I said, no, I'm not, no. I'm not saying no. I got off their platform, which is low to the ground, and I stood up with no walker, no cane, nobody helping me on the leg, and this leg, and balanced and didn't fall on my face. To their surprise, I stood up. I wasn't going to take, no, I can't. Not, no, I can't. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'll figure this out. I'll move. I'll get it done. That has to be your heart's commitment. That's why when you give in the offerings and you give towards need, it's a heart commitment. It's not, we want your money, we want your money, we want your money. I can retire on Social Security right now. I don't need money. I can exist. But that's not what God called us to do. He called us to abound. He called us to grow. He called us to help 200 plus people ate till they were full yesterday downtown because people give, because people share. And now businesses are wanting to help us. Chipotle. Well, you, I don't want to come and get it. You know, I don't want people thinking I need to. Do you like Chipotle food? Come get some food. Because we don't want it to go to waste. The disciples ate of the bread and the fishes just as much as everybody else. They ate till they were full. The worker, don't put a, says, don't put a muzzle on the ox on the threshing floor. You cannot starve the ox who's making the, the grain for us to eat. He gets to eat too. Call those things that be not as though they were. My bank account is full. I have more than enough. First Christmas, you take names in the McGaffin family. I got my sister and whatever, and we're supposed to bring him Christmas gifts on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve. Didn't have any money. Didn't have, we didn't have anything for us. They were going to get it before we got it. And we expected somebody to come up to the house in South Omaha before we drove to 51st and Dodge. Somebody come and give us the money before we left. Nobody came. We went, and I went to my sister, and I don't know the second one, and told them, don't have it today. I'll have it shortly, and I'll have exactly what you want. Less than a month, the money was in our hand. We went and got it, and it was a greater testimony that I kept my word to my family and gave them the gift they wanted. Well, it wasn't in my hand. Nope. But I called those things that be not as though they were. You have... You can listen to all the stuff on COVID, or you can say, COVID has no part of my life. I'm redeemed from that. God's my healer. I have none of it. No. Well, what if you get it? What if you don't? And what if you do? Who's going to get you healed? Is CNN going to get you healed? I don't think so. Well, we'll send a commentator over there, and we'll interview you. Interview this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will not roll over and play dead. Amen? Now I'm having a lot of fun. Call those things that be not as though they were. I'll say this about my lovely wife. We've been married for 45 and a half years. And we had a really good marriage or engagement time. Deeply in love. Got married. And we had our first couple fights. One was a beaut. Her dad lived catty corner in South Omaha on acres of land. 
across the street. She went over to her mom and dad, going back to mommy and daddy, crying. I'm thinking, I, this is screwed up, it's over, it's done. I go down to the barn, turn the corner, and I hear as much as if Melvin said something to me. Now, his name's Howard, I call him Melvin just to give him a hard time. <laughs> What's your problem? I said, the woman you gave me, I know who was talking to me, the woman you gave me is making me unhappy. And he said to me, you're making my daughter unhappy. Now, woe unto Colin if he ever makes my daughter unhappy. <laughs> he will see the side of his father-in-law that he is yet to see and does never want to see because that's my girl. He didn't care about my feelings and how wronged I was. He cared on how I moved in faith towards his daughter, which taught me about marriage. It's, you're the servant of all. You're laying your life down like Christ did for the church. I'm laying my life down for my wife, not 50-50, not 100-100. It's 100 and whatever God does with her. Coaching a couple, going to get married. They had a fight on the way. They're abused. They're not talking to each other when they come in my office. And it all centers about who does what chores at home. Who cleans the toilet? Who does this? Who does that? And they're fighting who's responsible. Well, that's a girl's job. That's a guy. Where did you get that? The girls did everything when the men were at World War II. Come on, give it a rest. Anyhow, I just simply said, I can solve this for you. And I went to the woman first. I said, you do everything. Every single thing, it's your responsibility to serve your husband and do it with a good attitude in love. So I, with Deborah, I started saying, I didn't, I didn't want to go do that. I didn't like to go do that. You go out and feed the horses when it's below zero. I don't want to do that. But God gave me a phrase. He said, I'd love to. And that's all she's ever heard from me when she asked me to do I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to watch Gilmore Girls for the 400th time. And God got me through it. But then I turn, now remember, the church does this, you submit to me, yea, though verily I'm the head of the house. Baloney, you're the head of the woman when you love her like Christ loves the church. Till you love her like that, you ain't got no headship whatsoever. By the way, the headship is for protection. Is for protection. I will protect my wife with my life. Simple. That's all it's there for. Then I went to him and I said, I can, you know what you get to do? And he goes, oh, I got off the hook here. I got nothing. I said, you do everything. It's all up to you. And you do it with a good attitude. And until you two can come to agreement that that's how it's going to be, I'm not marrying you. I'll call off the wedding. There's no sense to this. Because marriage is work. There's a lot of love and a lot of wonderful time, but it's also a lot of work. Have kids see if there's more work. Have grandkids and see how much more work there is. But you know what? We both serve each other willingly and say we'd love to. And we speak it out of our mouth. There's the key. You speak it out of your mouth. With the few moments I have left, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50, there is a woman who is a prostitute sinner. She's also uh, not a purebred, pure, 
blood Jew. She's a Samaritan. She's on the, you know, just like the people in Council Bluffs, they're on the outskirts of... I, I, I do that for you, and you miss it completely. <laughs> okay. Therefore, from Council Bluffs. Yeah, they're the Samaritans. They're on the outskirts. <laughs> it's okay. She comes. She pours a bottle of ointment over Jesus. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. Okay, the ointment is what every Jew hopes to have in their possession because it's the anointment for when you die and they put the anointing oil on you at your tomb. But it was also that anointing is a year's salary for the common person. She just spent a year's salary pouring that on Jesus, knowing she, everybody there hates her guts other than Jesus, and she's a sinner, and what are we even spending any time with her for? Okay? Jesus says something to her there, and he says something in Luke chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. Oh, sorry, wrong one. I'll just stay with that one. Luke 7, 36. You know what he says to her? Peace be with you. We read that as a Catholic when they're, you know, Blessed Lord be with you, and also with you, peace be with you. Yeah, you know, all that stuff that they do. So when I hear peace be with you, that's all I re make a reference. It's no big deal. Jesus said to her, peace be with you. Nothing will be broken in your life. Nothing will be missing. Nothing broken, nothing missing. That's what he said. Your sins are forgiven you. You can go because nothing's broken and nothing's missing. So when you pray and you put your faith out there and you speak and you call those things to be not as though they were, the peace of God, nothing broken, nothing missing, should guard your heart. Well, yeah, but my spouse doesn't do it, my, my kids this, my boss this. doesn't matter. Nothing's broken, nothing's missing. Jesus take care of it. He'll take care of it. It's an atmosphere of faith around the miracles that you receive. Because he's going to come without fear and unbelief to take them out. And you must circle around your faith and your things you pray for and receive. With faith, it's an atmosphere of faith. You know, I, I got, in, we're in a situation and uh, there are about 40 pastors in a room and they were making decisions doing this. And the one leading the room, he goes, I know McGaffin, you're a stickler for the word. I want to say back to them. And why aren't you? But I'm not doing any of this without standing on the Word of God. We can agree and go out there and have no power, and it is worthless, and we'll, we'll get beat. Like the sons of Sceva who tried to cast out, they didn't know Jesus. I'm not going out there powerless. I'm going out there in faith, in the name of Jesus. Are you all good with me? Atmosphere of faith. This is Luke 17, 10 through 15. Ten lepers who are not allowed into church on Sunday because someone might get contaminated. They had to wait outside. In this case, up on the ridge. Ten of them. They yell out, Jesus! Heal us! And he says, go show yourselves to the doctors. Now the doctors are actually the Pharisaical area in the synagogue, and that's where also doctors were. The synagogue is dead center in the middle of the town. Everything revolves. As a matter of fact, if you go to many small towns in Nebraska or Iowa, 
you'll see that the town revolved and grew around the church. The church was the center of culture where the community came together. So these 10 know they're breaking the law. The, Moses' law, they're breaking it by going in to the temple. The law says they get stoned to death. So they know they're taking their lives in their hands. Not everybody's out there talking to Jesus. they got to walk into town where everybody else is, and they all know those are lepers. And having been in a... I drove past a leper colony in Nigeria. You cannot imagine what that looks like. After that, why didn't you stop? I wasn't driving, but I'm also the one that when someone had AIDS, I'm the one that pulled him up to my face and prayed for him and spoke the word over him. When you've done something like that, you can shout. You can spout off. I'm going to do what I can do. And so, these lepers, one came back and thanked Jesus for the miracle. One came back. Now, I thank Deborah every day for the things she does for me. And on our anniversary, I thank her for having the brains to marry me. Okay, enough of that one. I live a thankful life with her, even for the dinner, for the soup this morning that I had before I came here. I'm thankful. That one leper had an atmosphere of thankfulness for miracles. It's not about Jim McGaffin being great or Howard Campbell being great. It's about thank you, Lord, what you did. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that Barb's healed. Thank you that Jody's dad's healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that Tiffany had a beautiful baby this week. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. It is a life of thanksgiving. And I'm thankful for my boys and my daughter and watch them do what they do. But now I'm thankful to see my grandboys do it to another generation. And now I'm thankful someone's only been here for a couple months starts saying, Jesus said, I, my prayers have been answered. God broke through for me. My marriage was restored. My life's been restored. My finances have been turned around. Because of my stupidity about money, we were four grand in debt when we got married. We tithed off of a dime and gave offerings. That's not an exaggeration because we did it more than once. We said, Lord, if you're not in our finances, we're not going to get out of this mess that I put my family in, my wife and I in. 18 months, we were totally out of debt, and on paper it makes no sense. A few months later, well, this is a few years later, a man came up and handed us $12,000 worth of land on the bluff and council bluffs that we could build on if we wanted to. It was that land that helped us buy the money and get our first house and grow. But I remember not having in my siding company, all my crews were going to be done today, and I went out. I didn't have jobs for them to go to. If they don't have jobs, they'll go work for somebody else, and I have nobody. I wrote four siding jobs in one night. That is a miracle. You'd be happy if you write one. I wrote four. They never knew it was down to the last day. God did. And I went to Proverbs, which we read through, Proverbs chapter 3. 
my barn's going to be overflowing full and plenty. Because I have favor with God and I have favor with man. People were going to look kindly on me and do business with me. I'm not a tricky salesman. I tell the truth. But I have favor on my life. And I did well. Amen? Okay. One, another atmosphere that should be around your life is Mark chapter 10, verse 48. His name is Blind Bartimaeus. Why is that important? Because he was blind. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, that I see. Der. I'm sorry, there have been some people who, by visual, I think they want prayer for this. And that's not why they're in the prayer line. They want prayer for something else. If I went by what I saw, I might think, okay. Best case of point, Jim Hockaday, who says hi. I talked to him yesterday. There's a guy come to church. He's got a cane and a withered arm. And Hockaday got him about our distance apart. And just simply spoke the word to him. And his arm was healed right then. This grown man in his 40s burst out crying. Burst out crying crying. And what, he just decided, okay, I'll go walk back to the pew. But he still got the cane. And Hockaday being Hockaday, he makes me look nice sometimes. <laughs> hey, what about your leg? Turn around. The guy turned around and said, get rid of the cane. Go for a run. And the guy at that moment realized in faith what God had done what, what's the difference between an arm and a leg? And in that sanctuary, he started off slow. He got to the corner. Halfway back, he was running full speed all the way up and all the way back to the front, crying his brains out and said, I haven't run like that since I was a boy. But that's Hockaday. Hey, what about your leg? That doesn't sound real churchy. But the people of our church saw it. That ought to be a testimony out there for somebody somewhere to talk to somebody. So this man who had blind eyes get his eyes. You know what he does then? He followed Jesus. And it says he followed him. The atmosphere of faith is this. You go from glory to glory, faith to faith. You don't let doubt and fear and belief, and you speak out what God says. If you don't put it in, it ain't coming out. That's why I have the promise for the year. If it doesn't go in, it ain't coming out. So you put it in, it comes out, and whether you're 13 years old or 83 years old, you're going to heal the sick. You're going to be the light in a dark place. You're going to be the one positive thing that person has had. I told you, I got five minutes. I had a man, I bought his coffee at Casey's. And he turned around and mother effed me off and told me to, I can buy my own, and went outside and went up to his car to put the gas in. Well, I paid for my stuff, my paper, and I'm walking out, and he comes back down and said, I'm sorry, I owe you an apology. And I said, that's okay, man. No, no, I owe you an apology. I should not have bit your head off. But I was just trying to bless you, and he goes, nobody's been nice to me for the last two months. My wife just divorced me. My family's disowned me. Nobody's been nice to me in the last two months. He bit my head off because nobody had been kind to him. Those people are in the store all the time with you. They're on the job with you. Be kind to them. My company in sighting was called House Healer. 
we'll heal the outside, and, and if I had a shot, I'd say, and we'll heal the inside. God always blesses the people that I, work, that I do work for. If they bite on it, they bite on it. If they don't, they don't. But many did. I just threw the bait out there on the hook. I'm going to reel them in a little bit. They want it. But I followed him. I followed him. Randy Berg, my best friend, who called my mom, mom, ate dinner with us every Sunday night at Creighton University Pharmacy School. When I got turned on to Jesus, he said, if you want that Jesus thing, I don't. We're done. I lost my best friend. But I followed Jesus. I followed Jesus. Amen. Let's turn last two scriptures. Mark 16, which I've said how many times to you. If you read Mark 16, you don't have much choice. Either you do it or you don't. He said, go into all the world and preach. Share is the correct word, the gospel or the good news with every creature. Everybody, share it. He that believes would be baptized and such, but it says, these signs in verse 17 shall follow them that believe. I believe God's word, and I believe Jesus is my Savior. These signs are supposed to follow me wherever I go. Now, I have really nice cologne on today. I have a scent following me wherever. You can smell me. There may be signs of faith behind you. Signs of faith behind you everywhere you go. I'll go. I'll do it. Can I tell you how many times? I'll go. I'll do it. But you don't, I don't care. I'll go. I'll do it. Why? Because these signs are going to follow me. They're going to cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents they'll not, uh, or any deadly thing that will not harm them. I love that. It's not going to harm me. I don't care. The guy pulled the knife on me. I don't care. I'm just going to speak Jesus over him. I'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Everyone in here, that's Jesus saying it to us. That's before he goes up. That's what he commissioned us to do. Not be churchy and phony. Not be high and mighty. He commissioned us to do this. Now Luke chapter 10 verse 2 simply says, The harvest is plenteous or great, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord send in laborers into the harvest. That's my prayer for this church, that we go into the harvest field and we labor in there and win souls. We win souls. Oh, do they have to come to this church? No. They don't have to come to this church. They're invited. They'll be great. We'll be a family. We'll receive them and love on them. But I want them in heaven. When he hands out and it says, by our deed, the rewards are going to be there. I want to see all the people that I had a chance to touch, to plant a seed, to water the seed, to harvest the seed in faith. I want to see that. And lastly, promise 22 for 22. It takes 21 times, they say, to form a habit in your life. You have to do it 21 days in a row. It only takes five to seven days in a row to break a habit. New Year's resolutions last at the spa two weeks, maybe a month. You wear your new workout clothes you got at Christmas time, 
and by the end of January, you're not working out at all. Your new resolution to become buff went down the toilet. Okay? Promise 22 and 22. It is to bring a discipline. And I don't know how many of you have been perfect at it. Some of it's been a struggle. But you take the proverb of the day, like Brandon used for the offering. That's because he read the proverb. And then you take an epistle. I'm in Ephesians right now having a great time. Next time I'm going to Romans. But then you pray in the Spirit. Why do you do that? Because you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. When I get the wind knocked out of me, when fear and doubt want to come around me, I want an atmosphere. I shift out. I'm going to tongues and talking to my Heavenly Father. I'm not going to talk this mess. I'm going to talk. They told me some stuff in the hospital. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I don't do it for them. They're not even in the room. I'm just by myself. 15 minutes praying in the Spirit. It changes your attitude. There's thanksgiving, an awareness that it's you and God today. Or thanking Him for what it was today. But it's a discipline. It's a discipline. Be part of this church. Take Promise 22 for 22. Do it. Your life will change. But the more this gets in us, the more it's going to come out of us. And you're going to be amazed who, where, and what God has you do. How he puts you into something to be the difference. good? That's pastor teaching. I am in your face. You know I'm staring down each one of you in this room. You knew I did. You all saw me do it. Aren't you afraid? No. No. Because they've said in psychology in college, the, besides the fear of death, the second greatest fear of mankind is speaking publicly. You know what they came out with recently? A psychological thing for church with the COVID thing? is the fear to get involved. For those who can't be here, okay, for those who could and didn't, when they say, I fear to get involved, I'm going to make you get involved or you're not going to be here. I will so offend you and get in your business and just give you a hard time to no end. Just like, I love you. But I can't, I can't pastor you. I can't be your friend and not tell you the truth of what's out there. And I'm just going to do it. And so when people get back from the sicknesses and Mary gets back and the Felders get back and everybody gets back and we have a bigger crowd, I'm thankful. We're going to throw some parties in spring and summer and do stuff just so we can fellowship and have a good time. But we're also going to feed every week. We're going to also go to Children's Hospital. We're also going to meet needs and help people's needs. We won't stop doing what we're called to do Jesus had a treasurer who went out and fed the poor. None of the disciples thought Jesus or Judas was betraying him. They thought he was going out because he did it all the time. Jesus did it all the time. All the time. All the time. If I'm not using it, it comes in, it'll go out. I don't care. I can get more stuff. How about you? I can always get more stuff. But I can't get this opportunity every time. Just close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to re-
Go back over this. Faith is the substance. Yes, sir. Author and finisher of your faith. Faith cometh by hearing repeatedly over and over. You can't please God without it. Call those things that be not and just live by faith. And let me also do this. Has anyone, you can open your eyes. Has anyone ever been hurt by someone and hurt badly? Anybody have trouble forgiving them? You'll forgive them when you see the truck run over them. That attitude? Okay, just being honest, people get hurt. All of us do. But the Mark 11, 23 and 24 is seldom mentioned. It says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought. This faith we're talking about works on the basis of forgiveness as well. So I'm going to tell you a secret. A secret. Keep your forgiveness fresh. If you put this word and this prayer time in, the I want them dead attitude, I want them to pay for what they did, will go out the window. But it matters that you keep your faith and your forgiveness fresh. I've got some people that I don't like over the years, don't you? I don't want anything bad to happen to them. And if I saw them, I'll smile. Doesn't mean we're going out to dinner. Doesn't mean I trust them. That's with my friends. But I can forgive and I can keep that forgiveness fresh. Keep it fresh. And I'll pound it and pound it all through this period of time that I preach. Keep it fresh. And when you forgive someone that's dear to you, a husband, a wife, a child, a friend, extended member of the family, why not forgive? I got blasted this Christmas by my family. Blasted. You know what I decided to do? Blow it off. That's my extended family. Why cry about it? We had a great Christmas. Wonderful Christmas. Marvelous Christmas. Wouldn't want it changed. What did they do? None of your business. And it doesn't matter. But your sisters and brothers don't always do what you want them to do. Have you ever thought of that, maybe? But you know what? We had a great Christmas. I only tell you this thing to you people who I love are here. Because this is practical every day. Stuff we live with. And then I want to rejoice when Joyce gives me a testimony. When Susan gives me one. When Kiara gives me a testimony and that smile. She's just looking at her. She's just really trying hard not to back there. <laughs> Love you guys. I have a saying, and it's not an obligation to me, but it's my saying. Let's go do our job. We're anointed for. Got all the anointing I'll ever need. Equipped. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. And then let's come back and rejoice. Because we overcome them with the blood of the Lamb. 
and the word of our testimony, loving not our lives even unto death. We'll stick our neck out there when we come back with the testimony. And I got to hear them. I want to hear them. Amen? Amen? You're done. Go home. Get out of here. Come back if you can handle a second or a third chapter of this next week. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We always want to encourage those of you who have a story of how God is working in your life through this ministry to send us an email to amen at libertyofomaha.com. For more information on Liberty Church, visit libertyofomaha.com. Thanks for joining us and have a credible week.